Welcome to the Clockwork Brothers Podcast. That is right. This is the first podcast of Clockwork Brothers. You can check out our website at uh, www.clockworkbrothers.com. Although if you're listening to this, you probably are on the website. This podcast will take into account many things. We'll talk about, you know, not only filmmaking, but also creativity and anything that we deem might be interesting to you and our viewers. Now, the interesting thing about what we're doing is that the truth of the matter is, is that most things that you do, nearly all things, all disciplines spread into life. Whatever you do is going to have an impact on how you live, on your work, on other people's lives and their experiences. So filmmaking, in a way, is not just for people that like watching films or that like taking part in creative activities, but it also affects the universal, I don't know, psyche of the way our minds work, of the way society views itself, and of the way we view ourselves. So on my list, I have several things that I'm going to talk about today. And today is going to be an interesting one. How sugar has affected us and our history as not only humans, but also as citizens of our nations. Sugar was well known to be couple hundred years ago to be very expensive you know white sugar was branded as white gold because there was only maybe two bags of it in the whole of the uk humans as a species had not discovered sugarcane except for certain parts in in the tropics so when it was discovered and they did discover a way of harvesting it and even back then it was difficult and it takes it took a lot of time only the greatest kings had sugar and Britain, with its great power and capability as the great British Empire, was one of the first countries to start industrializing sugar production and utilizing sugarcane. And they used it as part of their leverage over other countries, maybe through negotiations. And it was during that time that Britain would not share its crops with France. They would not share the sugarcane. Luckily for France, they had Napoleon. Now, Napoleon is an interesting fellow. He did not like what the British were doing. He wanted to get in on what's going on. And so Napoleon tried to find another way to obtain the sweet, sweet tasting sugar. To do that, he found someone that claimed that extracting sugar was capable from beets, sugar beets. Now, the problem with sugarcane is that you can't really grow it in the UK. You can't grow it in France. You have to grow it out and ship it in. It's a difficult crop because it's so delicate to the environment and it has a lot of requirements. Now, once Napoleon was capable of growing his own sugar beet and extracting his own sugar, he literally grew tons of the stuff in France. It was like a war of sweets. And this, and after he'd done such a thing, of course, Britain wanted in on the sugar beets. They wanted to grow their own sugar. They wanted to not rely on imports and on, you know, uh, foreign, foreign farming. And so this actually helped create more tension between Britain and France. Sugar was instrumental in the British France war. It was a weapon used by Britain, used by Napoleon to gain an upper hand 
and seem superior. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why does this matter? You know, this has nothing to do with creativity. Mo, what is this? Remove this sugar talk from your podcast. No, you see, that's the point. Even this has affected us as, as a people. And if something so out there, something so distant from creativity, from politics, can be instrumental in shaping us as humans, then so can creativity. So can Clockwork Brothers. So can films. So can words. It's actually interesting that the Japanese believed that words have a certain power. I believe the term was kotodama, and that means the power or the spirituality of words and how they can be used to shape our very reality and used in rituals and other ceremonial happenings. The power of words, the power of creativity, is our most defining characteristic as human beings. I believe that as humans, we shouldn't be rewarding those that can simply memorize and regurgitate whatever they've heard in their past. We should be rewarding those that can take separate ideas and combine them to create something amazing that can benefit us. You know, pe inventors, people that can come up with solutions. We don't need any more copy-pasting of knowledge. We need the utilization, the creation, and the amalgamation of knowledge. And this is where Clockwork Brothers comes in. We're trying to increase that. We're trying to grow, grow our species. And we believe that a lot of the educational system has deviated from the original plan of how we should interact with each other. And it's not just the power of words. It's the power of perception. Or, to put it more bluntly, how you are perceived by others. For as you know in business, when you're perceived as strong, even when you are weak, it's always to your benefit. And <laughs> to, to more stick with the theme of food in today's podcast, I'm going to talk about secret recipes, the uniqueness of things, and how that secret recipe can, in fact, make you more accessible, give you a more, make you look very slick and new. The idea of food and how it shapes us, companies also view how they are perceived as a very important asset to who they are. And for today's example, I will be using KFC and Coca-Cola. Now, as many of you know, KFC, they like to make chicken. They like to make ton of, tons of chicken. So much so that, of course, when you're dealing with chicken and the killing of chickens, you're going to have a lot of people who may, who may question where you're getting your chicken from and how your chickens are treated. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. They've invested millions of dollars on what they claim to be their secret recipe. Yes, a secret recipe for their chicken. And this is the same theme, this is the same topic that I'm, that I'm going to talk about with Coca-Cola, how they are viewed, and their secret cola recipe. Both of these companies claim that their secret recipe, that their secret recipe gives them their uniqueness, that nobody else can even understand or comprehend something so complex as a secret recipe of their food. 
why is this so amazing as a creative you're asking yourself why is mo talking about these things why am i listening about kfc i'm not hungry or, or maybe you are but that's the point you see kfc claim that their secret recipe for their herbs and spices is protected and safeguarded in a secret vault a vault at the headquarters of kfc so secret is this vault that within it resides a piece of paper on that piece of paper is the original recipe that colonel saunders wrote about his formula for creating such a brand of fried chicken okay and there are guards guarding this safe, this headquarter of chicken. Only two people know the actual recipe of the chicken. And each of these people, both of these people, they only know a certain aspect of it, only a certain part. So paranoid is the company that they will never let them travel together in the same train, in the same plane, or in the same car. And the reason for that is they worry that if something were to happen to both of them at the same time, the recipe may be lost. Now, there is a third person involved in this drama. And that third person in the KFC Corporation actually knows the vault's password. And he and he's the only person that can access the Colonel Saunders secret recipe. Coca-Cola, on the other hand, again, claim that they have the secret recipe of the cola brand that has been protected for 127 years. For 127 years, the secret has been safeguarded and no one's been allowed to understand it or even get close to it. Supposedly, there are many people, and there's even a book written, I can't remember what the name of the book was, that claim they know the secret recipe and it's nothing special and it's not really much of a secret. But just the fact that people believe this gives it that power. It gives it the uniqueness these words, these these levels of perception, the way we view them, gives them their power. It, it gives them the money and it gives them the fame and the, how do I say this? The status, the class of how we perceive them. And similarly, Coca-Cola also have a secret vault, a couple people, everything's computerized when they're creating the recipe. No one knows it and they keep it. It's like a multi-million dollar secret. But do we know if it's true? I mean, how do we know if there is a secret to KFC or Coca-Cola? For all we know, it's just a big lie. It's just a big bluff. It's a poker face game where they claim that something is valuable. Just like money, just like the pieces of paper in your pockets, just like the numbers, the digits, the zeros and ones in your bank account that you claim have value. Similarly, we can never tell whether it's all just arbitrary or if it's actually real value. It's all perceived. And this is how we link into who we are as indie creatives. Because what's worse than people perceiving you negatively? The worst thing is for you to perceive yourself negatively. For you to not give the respect that you deserve to give yourself. Just to understand that creativity has the power to mold our reality. To understand that words 
that's books, that's films and music, that's all creative mediums, whether you invent, whether you're an inventive lawyer. Okay, I mean, I'm maybe pushing the boundaries here a little bit, but I believe that all disciplines can use innovation. They can use creativity. But it's that creativity that can mold our reality. Everything we see before us has been thought about, has been construed in someone's brain, in someone's third eye, it has been visualized. And it is that power which we should seek to satiate, which we should seek to train. The power of creativity to affect our reality, to change it. I mean, this is something most people can't experience until they actually get their hands dirty with a creative project, until they're managing something or directing something. And this is something, actually, I think a lot of people may feel in certain opportune times. These are times when their consciousness, their level of perception may penetrate the world that they see. What I'm talking about is times when people have premonitions or or they have certain feelings or even sometimes dream of things that that seem to go exactly as they dreamt it would. I happen to experience a certain level of such synchronicities when I am working on certain creative projects. When me and Has first collaborated and, and I was working on a screenplay for our collaboration called Fumes, I realized certain things that I'd speak about in the screenplay, certain plots, certain aspects, certain personas that appear within the screenplay took a life of their own around me. I was able to see these things happen as they are written. This is synchronicity. Of course, I do accept the fact that it may be completely subjective. I mean, if someone tells you to think about a number or to think about a certain thing, then you'll end up seeing it around you. For example, the number 23 enigma. The case where many people will purport to see the number 23 popping up everywhere. Now, there may actually be a number 23 conspiracy. But I highly doubt that. You know, I think that just perhaps there's a certain level, a certain aspect of our, of our minds that is like searching it chooses what to insert into our reality. There's just, we're, we're so bombarded with information. There's so much going on around us that the reality we see is not the reality of other people. There's only so much that our conscious minds can take. This is why it has to filter out and sift through so much information and just end up choosing the one that it thinks is the most pertinent to what we're thinking, how we're feeling, or what's going on around us. And this is the power of creativity. This is the power of the media. This is the power of our voices, of our thoughts, of our speech. When on TV, they talk about a crisis, when they continuously keep bringing up a certain illness like bird flu, or a foreboding future, or, or some kind of doom, some kind of war that we might be taking part in, then people's minds will structure reality as they hear it. Where you look, where you concentrate on is what you become. And it's the same with the first book I wrote, my novel, my debut novel that I published through Twin Rivers Publishing, The Shining Serpent, which is about a woman searching for her lost son in a 
apocalyptic Iraq, post-Saddam Iraq, American invaded Iraq. And I ended up talking about and seeing things in a certain perspective, in a certain way. It helped clear my mind. It was also aimed to restructure how we think of these things, to restructure how we all view each other. I mean, within the book, The Shining Serpent, one of the most important characters, Azkazil, who is the serpent, he tells the protagonist, he tells Sarah, he tells her that technically humanity is all one and the same. We are individuals, but only to a certain extent. That there is hidden knowledge within each of us. That we are all connected. That we all do have an influence on one another. And like all pieces of literature, all works of creativity, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you read it, it will be affecting our reality. It's something that when you take part in, when you really get into the zone, I believe they call it, well, I mean in psychology, they call it flow. It's when you're in this trance state and you're working on a piece of either work or sometimes even tasks such as drawing a mandala that I've actually spoken about in the Clockwork Brothers blog where Carl Jung, the psychoanalyst, used to draw mandalas and he found it to be a very spiritual and mind-healing practice. The fact that art can be cathartic, that it can restructure the way we think, the fact that it can solve psychological problems, heal psychosomatic illnesses, and make us better people. And as I said, it's something you can feel. Once you've done it, you can feel it. It's physical results. You feel it in your bones, in your head. It's like a reverberation of consciousness affecting reality. And as I've said, perhaps it is subjective. But what does that matter when there are results? When we share our knowledge through Clockwork Brothers, me and Hassan, when we're trying to bring about change, good change, and help those that may have dreams that they keep talking about every day, they may never see to fruition. We want to tell those people, talk is good, but not without action. You know, whoever you are, whether your dream is to own a pet shop, or even, I mean, these are a bit random, but I don't know, create a successful animation company. Whatever it is you aim to, to get to, whatever you think that your life dream is, Clockwork Brothers aims to kind of push you in that direction, gets you out of that comfort zone. We're too used to being in the comfort zone. Our lives, with all the technological capabilities that we have achieved as a species, has become a numb one, one without soul, one without danger, and taking danger, pushing yourself further, you'll feel you'll be making progress. You'll never feel like you're making progress until you leave that comfort zone. But I tell you what, it may feel terrible when you're doing it, it may feel hard, but after it's done, I can almost guarantee you that it will feel amazing. And this is the concept of most ideas. Things start small. They start simple. And they grow in complexity and size as time goes on. 
Clockwork Brothers was an idea with me and my friend. But it kept growing. It keeps growing. It keeps expanding. And we want to share this love, this knowledge with other people that are involved in this. Think of it like a body. One that you provide nutrients for. Whatever your idea is, it's like a sacred thing that you feed and grow. A separate entity. It's a company. Something different from who you are. It's more than what you are. And the more you work on it, you'll find that ideas have a life of their own. That they're different to us. That they live. They truly live. When we were working on Hearts of Wild Men, you find that sometimes the work does not want to go in a certain direction. That you just have to let it do its thing. Go with the flow. Hearts of Wild Men is a little short film that we've sent off to some festivals a couple months ago. It's a very eclectic piece. It's very artistic. It's, it's conception. From conception to, to creation, it has seen a lot of change. And this is a hard thing to see as a creative. From an idea to script, there's a lot of change. And then from script to shooting the actual idea, there's a lot of change. And finally, from the shots you have to editing to post-editing, there's a lot of change. There's a lot of people that have, that have been involved from casting to, to editors to sound design. But likewise, that, that's how our, our ideas are. That's how our dreams are, in a way. In my opinion, the worst thing to see is a shell of a man or woman. Someone who had a dream. Someone who had an aim. Something in their minds they wanted to achieve. But they just never went for it. They never went for it for several reasons. Maybe it was the money. Maybe it was love. Maybe they just didn't believe in themselves. Whatever it is, it's not a nice thing to see. To see someone talk about something that they could have been or something they could have achieved. It's heart-shattering, really. But when you see those that take the advice, when you see those that do make it, it makes up for everything. Me and Hass, for example. Long history of talking about films, talking about creativity. Now, a lot of things inspire me personally. Some people have claimed that perhaps Mo's a jack of all trades. He knows his philosophy, his psychology. He likes to write. He likes to make films. He likes illustration, gaming, anything that has any kind of sense of collaboration and imagination. But there's a certain limit you reach where you think, you think, okay, I've spoken about this for years. I've thought about this for a very long time. And when you see it, when you see the finished product in front of you, it's a feeling you can't really take in. It's an amazing feeling. When I saw The Shining Serpent, the book printed out in front of me, I can flip through the pages. Something that was a product of a couple years, since 2004, thinking about it, working on it, but I never forgot it. Even when people thought that I wasn't serious or I was just talking about it for a very long time, something pushed me in that direction. We need people like that. We need more people 
that can show us that we don't have to live our lives enslaved by the system that society sets up. Now, I have nothing against society per se. But you have to ask yourself, what's wrong with society? When we're working longer hours, we're getting paid less, and everything is harder to deal with. Now, as a Londoner, I think most people understand what I'm talking about. Wherever you go, whatever you do, there'll always be a branch of the government or society that will plan and devise a way to take away money from you. Now, as I've said before, money is an imaginary thing. But when so much of society is forced into this mass illusion of relying on it completely for everything they do, it really makes you sit down and think, what's wrong with our society? When you, were, when you watch a caveman thousands of years ago, or even if you were to go into the jungle and meet a couple of natives who perhaps have not had much contact with the outside world, whose culture and lives have remained unchanged for a very long period of time, is it surprising to find that their lives are not only healthier, happier, but easier than ours? Now, I've spoken to some people that say, hold on, Mo, but these people, you know, they need to hunt every day. They need, yes, I understand that. But the amount of time they spend with each other, the quality of time that they spend is much better than us. So much so that some people actually believe it's negative and immoral to contact these people and tell them off. Of, of the rest of humanity and how we've progressed over time. But I don't really believe those people. I think everyone deserves to know their species. Everyone deserves to know the earth and knowledge should be free and shared amongst us all. This is why in the age of the internet, what we're doing, you can do. Anyone can go online, find interesting things, share it with each other. And there's no more debates. I mean, now these days, when you have a debate with someone, when you have a disagreement, there's always Wikipedia there to sort out the, the discussion. And this is a good thing. You know, I, I can't even think about how I'd survive without having some kind of reference talking about, like, whether you're talking about something geographical or even, even the definition of a word. The internet has changed our lives. It is perhaps the most instrumental device of us as human beings. The internet is something that has changed us who we are. I mean, not only has it made our lives easier, a lot of things has made our lives easier. Cars has made our lives much easier. Certain forms of transport have improved our lives. But to change the way we think, to change the way we feel about each other, nothing has done something like that as much as the internet has. Finally, in our society, the beating of the drums of war do not work when we can talk to a person from a different country and see that they're just like us online. We can speak to them, ask them questions, and see just how corrupt the people on the top may in fact be. Sometimes your words can do the, that same thing. Sometimes a movie that you make. Sometimes a book that you write. Such as was intended for my book. Even a script. Even a piece of poetry. All of these things, they have that power. 
and with the ever-expanding consciousness of our race. It's something that we should think about even more. Again, thank you for tuning in to the first Clockwork Brothers podcast. And stay tuned. We're going to have much more people coming along, more interviews, interesting guests, and more information. If you have any suggestions, please feel free to fill out a form in the contact and send us a message. This has been Mo with Clockwork Brothers. Thank you for listening.